0: Welcome to my podcast, Don't Make This Weird. Each week, I invite a special guest to talk about their life, the news, politics, and anything else that might come up. We're long. Welcome to another episode of Don't Make This Weird, the podcast. Uh, I, I am very, 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 very excited uh, to have my guest this week. Um, it's it's rare that I get excited when someone follows me on social media. Uh, this my guest this week, this person. Uh, when he followed me, I I did a little dance um, because he is somebody that um, I admire, somebody that I respect. Uh, he is host of the Mentally Divine podcast. He is the host of antics and analytics that you can find on instagram live uh he is the host of the mentally divine breakfast show on patreon and you can see him sometimes on fox soul please welcome brian to the podcast hello sir
1: hey, hey what's up how are you doing <laughs> that hey I'm, listen i've never i've never had that eloquent of an intro so thank you
0: <laughs> oh no problem no problem i will i am available to introduce you anytime you walk into a room anytime you want love
1: that love that <laughs> oh so good
0: so um i've i've basically told people all about you now um i wanna i want to take it back let's let's talk about baby brian was being like this media superstar always the plan or what what did you want to be when you grow up
1: That's a very good question. Um, No, I didn't think (laughs) being this media personality, person, public figure, um, I didn't know that was in the cards, right? Um, Growing up, I always wanted to be a judge. Um, I wanted to be a lawyer first. I wanted to be judge, And I think that was just very much so based off of the court shows that I used to watch, right? We all idolized Judge Judy. We all idolized Judge Joe Mathis, right? um and uh, there's actually also spanish court shows that i used to watch um and i loved them growing up and i was like that you know not understanding that they're not really judges but that they are more so arbiters of of the truth and and you know i always wanted to, to have that power and have my own courtroom and be on tv in that kind of regard but nonetheless um as i got to college uh i kind of had the vision that i wanted to work on radio um, and I think that just came because I wanted to, you know, just talk, <laughs> I loved <the> talking, <laughs> you know, it's so funny because growing up in my report cards, I would always get straight A's, but one of the biggest things that would always put is like, you know, the end for needs improvement, needs improvement for the talking. My teachers would always say, Brian just talks too much. <laughs> uh, but you know, you know, my mom could never get me on that because, you know, my grades were so good, but Nevertheless, from there, um, I took an intro to communication course, and I was like, this, this communication thing is not for me. They started talking about how dogs communicate through barking, how whales communicate through their blowholes. And I was like, yeah, this is, I'm checking out. This is not what, it, <laughs> what, I, what I wanted to do. And, you know, I got some very good advice that said, you know, in, in college and in undergrad, you should study things that you are passionate about. And at the time, I was very passionate about political science because I loved politics. I'm a nerd for politics, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a few minutes. But yeah, and I studied that. And then from there, I got my master's in education because I, I, you know, I worked in campus life in many different regards as a student leader. And I realized that I wanted to work with students, college students who looked like me, who had the same identities that I had, Black Latinx, LGBTQIA plus, first generation in their family to go to college, low socioeconomic status. And I wanted to level the playing field. So I decided to do that in a professional setting. And here I am in higher education. Uh, the podcasting came later.
0: So what was, what was the journey like to starting your, your podcast?
1: Well, you know, I had a podcast when I was an undergrad and it was called BPTV. Uh, BP being for my, you know, initials and obviously TV and it failed for many different reasons. It, it didn't have a vision. It didn't have production value. I mean, you know, we were doing this out of someone's basement that we converted it into a studio, you know, and um, I had, I, I mean, I had a goal of wanting to do the podcast between me and this other girl who we had really good chemistry. And so I knew that there was a, there was a presence there that we could really work with. And the other two people who one of them was the one who kind of introduced me to the editor of like the videos and he, we used his basement and stuff. They both wanted to be on camera as well. And I had no gumption to say no, because I wasn't paying them. <laughs> I wasn't paying them. And um, I could tell that this, the show wasn't gonna go where I wanted it to go. And um, yeah, it just lacked the vision, lacked the production value. And so I knew that at some point I'd recreate it. And I knew that at some point I'd go back and do it the right way, but I had an imposter syndrome and I didn't know if I had enough expertise, enough knowledge, enough experience to bring that to the table, to have a, a, a diverse and robust conversation and dialogue. And uh, I was like, you know what, I'll just do it when I get my doctorate, you know, now that I have my master's, I'll do it when I get my doctorate, maybe then I'll have more information or, you know, I'll do it in five years. And I kept on putting it off and Twitter spaces came out Um, and, you know, I started at 300 followers on Twitter and I just decided to start doing spaces and I started hosting it as if it were a talk show. And six weeks later, I went from 300 to 3,000 followers. And from there, you know, I was like, wait a minute, we have to do something. This, this, is, this is getting big. Like, people are really responding to it. And from there, I got discovered with a, a television producer. And that's how I got onto Fox Soul. And I was like, no, there's, there, there, there's something here because people are seeing some quality here that... I can't just be making up in my mind. And, you know, that, that was the journey. That was it. It was, it was one of those things where I knew I had to capitalize on it because I was getting so much positive feedback. By the way, it's one of the things that you, you do as a creator. And Greg, you know this on this side of the, of, of the, of the mic. When we're creating, we don't necessarily know the impact, right? Because we're we're so We're just going. And it's the feedback afterwards where people are messaging you and saying, the way that I psychologically undressed on your show was in a way that I've never been able to do with people who I've known forever, for years, right? We've had people come on and discuss their their story about HIV AIDS, uh, sexual assault traumas that they've never discussed and um the fact that they felt safe and comfortable enough to do it with the community that we have built i mean it was just the most powerful thing so it consistently reassures me and reinforces to me that we're on our path and that i'm i'm walking within my purpose and i'm going to continue doing it it's the, it's been the best ride
0: i know like for for me the the first time that i was aware of you um the the video of you on fox soul just absolutely destroying the pro-lifer yeah and i was like that is a brilliant human being and i've i've been a fan ever since um yeah
1: (laughs) you know and by the way how that happened was Uh, A lot of people don't know that I originally got a message from the television producer who was looking to book me um, and they were originally going to have a conversation on sexuality and they said they were looking for somebody who says that you do not determine your sexuality or your sexuality cannot be determined at birth and I said well do you mean sexual orientation or do you mean like. You know, gender expression, gender identity, like that type of um Because if we're talking about, you know, gender identity, then we know that, yeah, absolutely, you can't determine that at birth because you can have a sexual organ that doesn't align with, you know, who you are versus sexual orientation, which I firmly do believe, you know, you can, I mean, you, you know, you don't choose that, right? You, you don't, that's right. not something that you choose. And they were, they were like, no, we're talking about sexual orientation. And so we're looking for you to say the position that you know you can choose to be gay or not. And I said, absolutely not. I will not do that. That's not, that doesn't align with what I think. And also I'm not going to do this just for clout. And so the TV producer agreed and they were like, no, you know, I actually, I agree with you. We're just looking for somebody who's going to do this position. And, you know, we thought that you'd be open to it. I was like, no, I'm not. And so in my mind, I didn't think, oh, that's such a lost opportunity. I didn't think that because, you know, some people would say that person's never going to think of you ever again for any, any opportunity because you're telling them no, right? And you think about the TV industry be, being so cutthroat where if you tell, say no to one person, you're blackballed forever. And I was like, you know what, it's fine. For me, it's just more of a thing of I further confirmed that I am in the right place where I'm supposed to be because if that person saw something within me, that's intrigued them enough to put me on television, then I will have other people down the line. And sure enough, within days I got the call back and said, Hey, are you, are you pro choice? I said, yes. And they said, we would love to book you. <laughs> it, was like, it was a no brainer. And, and, you know, that's, that's how that happened. But it, it was just an amazing, that was also an amazing ride because who would have known that six weeks into a process of starting your own show, you'd be on television, on national television at that. It was just crazy.
0: Now, earlier you said uh, you were a politics nerd. Um, so I it would, it would be remiss of me if uh, we did not discuss uh, the upcoming midterms as yeah. this is, you know, that kind of year um what what races are are you watching
1: well to be honest with you i i everyone has a different perspective of how they approach and i think it's very important that we are very informed of the races all the races right because we are sending people and we we, you know we're trying to gain more of a majority in in the Senate, right and I say we, I'm not, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm a pragmatist when it comes down to voting. And so I don't necessarily affiliate with any party, but I think that to align yourself with the Republican Party as they stand and as they, you know, stand for nothing really at this point would be, would be a, not only a missed opportunity, but would be, would be uh, a slap in the face to a lot of people. I mean, really, if you're, if you're thinking about democracy and freedom. But anyway, no, nevertheless, for me, I think it's very important that we are aware of all the races at the same time. I think it's very important that we're not shouting people down on social media because one of the people from one of the races that we don't even, you know have a vote for in another state, you know, sh- we, we shouldn't be fighting people on social media because they support a candidate that, you know, if you're both Democrats, you know, I, I don't know. They, I, and I'm speaking more so about the, the Pennsylvania race. You know yeah. this. Yeah. Malcolm Kenyatta. Body, on both sides are like just tearing each other up. And I guess the, 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 the purpose of that, right? They None of them want Fetterman. No, right. None of them want Fetterman. And, and I understand that, right? He, he chased an unarmed black uh, man because he said that he was, he may have, been, I mean, it's the, vi- the white vigilanteism, right? Yeah. And we understand that. But, you know, nevertheless, we're watching that one. Uh, just because it, it's so contested, even with the Demo- within the Democrat. Um, I mean, I want to keep Warnock, you know, right. home, home, I don't want to even say home state of, of Georgia, because I'm a transplant, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm originally from Jersey. So, but, you know, you know, I, I'm watching that that race. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, this one is the one that I have the most locus of control. And I think it's very important that I use my voice not only to inform the people of Georgia to understand, like, hey, there's a, there is a vote that's coming up. Yeah. You know, particularly when it's not a presidential vote, because everybody comes out for the presidential. Nobody comes for the midterms. And you know, this could be it could be a precarious situation. It doesn't have to be, but it can be. And we, we have to be aware.
0: Um, what do you what would you say to people um who say that the, the Democratic Party is failing at messaging? Do you see that as an issue from the DNC?
1: I'm gonna be honest with you, I do. I do see that as an issue, and I think it's a twofold, right? Epistemologically, if we're thinking about many truths being being uh, real and existing, I, I think two truths can be uh, existing. One, that the messaging isn't as uh, on par as it needs to be, and that two, we are dealing with a lot of disinformation and misinformation campaigns at the same time, right? so you know it's important that yes we are bringing the message out there more forcefully but we also have to understand that there is a and there's always been a bigger magnifying glass on democrats and the reason why that has been is because there is this perception this misperception that they come out for the votes of minoritized populations and then they do nothing with it. And unfortunately, it's not that they don't do anything for it, they they do, but these misinformation campaigns are directed at them. And a lot of the times it's by people who are also quote unquote well-intentioned, which are doing more harm than good. One of the biggest examples of that, Latasha Brown. Latasha Brown, who is based here in Georgia and came out and said, you know, until you have a plan. pass this certain legislation to vote voting rights that you know you shouldn't come to to georgia first of all who the fuck are you right i understand that you created this this grassroots movement the black votes matter but at the same time if you understand how politics and government functions you wouldn't be as reckless with your words and your verbiage and the semantics because you understand that this this culture that we live in now is all about sound bites. And so now you as a Black woman saying this about this administration, when you absolutely know that they've not only, A, been doing everything in their power to try to make this vote happen, and B, literally trying to go around the state and the country, really, to use the bully pulpit to, to, to you know, sway public opinion, to put pressure on the electorate so that they can then call their senators, so that their senators could then be pressured to make a vote. Literally, that's what the executive branch is supposed to do. So, for you to claim that they're doing nothing, you know that's going to reach the electorate who may be ill informed already about how government functions and think about that when they're voting. So, you're by in all in all, you're trying to empower the electorate, but you're 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 Doing the opposite. You're disenfranchising the vote because now these people don't feel like they want to vote. Because why should I vote for a party that claims to be for me, but is not for me? So, I mean, it's, I, I, think the, I think, yes, that the messaging needs to be better, but I also think we need to be aware of all of the misinformation we're also fighting at the same time.
0: In, in a hypothetic situation, uh, let's say that you were the DNC chair, what would, how, how would you shift the message messaging?
1: Well, first and foremost, I've always thought about this in a fantasy world, right? <laughs> in a fantasy world, <laughs> in a fantasy world, what I would do as president of the United States, I would have some type of committee that is tasked with creating a website. Okay. Now listen, listen to me. Right. And as DNC chair, probably I'd do the same thing. I'd create an entire website that would focus on everything that were the campaign promises on one column, right? And then have a live tracker. Now, I know Wall Street Journal, New York Times, there's some, some places that will also do this as well. But I'm talking about centralizing with the information that as, we, as the executive branch, we know what's going on behind the scenes. Y'all can speculate and y'all can see what's going on in, in Congress. But we're talking about what we know, right? So let's create this column that talks about what the campaign promises were. Then, in that same, in the same, you know, chart, let's go and say what has been accomplished, check it off, and what has not been accomplished and why, right? And in that why, explain directly where it's being held up in the process. For example, voting rights legislation was. Uh, crafted right. You had the Freedom to Vote Act, and then you had the John Lewis, uh, advancement freedom. Yeah. What? Yeah. Right. So you took both of those. This is what has since happened. A lot of people don't know this. That those two bills have then been consolidated, put into a shell bill. They took a NASA bill that was gutted, that was already passed, right? So that they can put it all together and put it in through the Senate. So that there's less. There's there's an entire process with that, right? The whole point that I'm trying to say is, even with that, there's a certain reason why we can't even pass it, right? Because we need the 50 votes to then get to the, to make the the, uh, change and carve out and make the special carve out for the filibuster, right? We need to explain all of that. Because otherwise, without the why, everybody just says, well, they're not doing anything. And it's, it's the most unfortunate thing. Same thing with Build Back Better. Okay, fine. It's a huge piece of legislation, um, and you want to break it up now and put it into phases. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people don't know to this day that that's what they're trying to do at this process. So explaining it in full detail, and, and by the way, we also know that the electorate is, we love the electorate, but the electorate is also, while they're mainly disengaged, they're also lazy. And, and need things to be simple, to the point, to the tap, right? So we need this information readily available and as simple and layman's terms as possible. But we need to have it all in one centralized location so that people can just get it one for one for one for one. And so that's what I would do, you know, and uh, make sure that I have my, my surrogates on television on the 24-hour news cycles, making sure that all this information is out there.
0: So in your in your fantasy world where you are president, um, do you reinstate civics courses?
1: I I think that it's very important that that yes, I think it's very important. Our education system has largely failed us, failed us. You know, I mean, you think about it from the from every perspective. Let's take critical race theory for instance, right? As somebody who has studied critical race theory in their graduate program. Masters of Education here, right? I understand and and, and am more intimately aware of the core tenets that make up critical race theory that a lot of people don't know. To this day, you have people who say, well, critical race theory is just a legal studies thing, which, yes, it did start off that way. It started off from critical legal studies and then branched off because a lot of people said, no, you're missing the fact that race is inextricably intertwined with all of these decisions. Right. And they said, critical legal studies does not go far enough in critiquing the systems of power and power structures that exist in this world. And so they created critical race theory. People don't know that. Right. So what we are taught in K-12 is that Martin Luther King Jr. happened, then Barack Obama happened, and that's it. Right. You don't learn from 1619 right? Where the slaves got got here, right? Then you don't learn all the way until 1863 when the Emancipation Proclamation was signed in 1865. You may hear about Abraham Lincoln, right? But you only hear Honest Abe. You don't hear about the fact that he actually went and did a speech in Louisiana and he talked about Black people's voting rights and how it's very important. Because at the time, when we had Reconstruction happening, People don't know that 2,000 black men were actually being elected in the South. And people don't know that after three days after Abraham Lincoln did that speech in Louisiana, he was assassinated, right? And that after that, when you had uh, Johnson be president, he said, states' rights, states' rights, states' rights. And because of that, Black people started being disenfranchised, and then, then you have Jim Crow. Right? So people don't know the history, and people don't know the realities that is the atrocity of not only slavery, but Jim Crow and the black codes and all of those things. So our system has largely devalued civics education, civics and civic engagement. Um, And it's that lack of participation and the lack of education around the government functions that really trickles into why we have such a lazy electorate. So, yes, all in all, yes, Greg, (laughs) I definitely think (laughs) civic education is very important. And uh, I would definitely make it make it a a priority for my, my administration.
0: Um, now, a couple of minutes ago, you mentioned campaign promises. Um, so I want to go to our listener letter uh, for this week's episode. Um, it comes to us from Tessa in uh, Boca Raton, Florida. Uh, hello, Tessa. Thank you for um, sending this hella spicy question in. Um uh, <laughs> <clears throat> Tessa would like to know why she should vote blue in the midterms if Biden won't eliminate student loan debt.
1: <laughs> Tessa from Boca Raton, Florida. Here's the thing. Well, first and foremost, he said, now, this, this is another thing. Because, Greg, if you haven't noticed thus far, my biggest thing is like, people don't notice. <laughs> people don't notice, right? Now, he did make a campaign promise and say $10,000 of student loans he would cancel. From the very beginning, because I'm old enough to remember the campaign, right? right? I'm old enough to remember the campaign trail when he also that talked about he didn't feel that he, didn't, he, he could do it with the stroke of a pen. I remember that. I also remember following up when, once he became president that he then instructed the, the uh uh, Secretary of the Department of Education, Miguel Cardona, he tasked them with creating a file and going in depth and doing a look into, can he do it with the stroke of a pendant with an executive order? And the results of that yielded that there would be some tax implications, right with the $10,000 dollars. I'm not an ec- economist, so I cannot explain to you what that, that fully means in full detail. So I'll leave that for our economists. But what I will say is this, what we do know is that if there is a bill that is created and it is passed, then we can move forward. I don't understand why this can't be something that we do in reconciliation when we're talking about budgets, right? You only need 50 votes for that and there is no filibuster. So I don't understand why, and and it is a money issue. That is, so because it's a money issue and it is a budgetary issue, it definitely can be done within reconciliation. My biggest thing has always been they're waiting for the right time and they're waiting to get closer to midterms in order for them to do it. That's always been my speculation and nobody has ever said anything about that. Um, But that's always been my speculation because, you know, obviously it's fresher in people's minds and that's when people will vote. And, you know, it makes sense. It's a good political move. Right. For an easy win. So no, he's not going to do $50,000. He always said 10,000. And, you know, you also have to think about all the other things that are top priorities right now. Right. Student debt was not one of those big number one priorities, but it was a campaign promise. And I'm sure that he, he will do everything in his power to make sure that that is that is done. I mean, if you all, you know, remember, we, we have not been paying student debt. Uh, you know, student loans um, because it's been, you know, pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. I think they restart what, in May, May 1st?
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: So, you know, that, that's, that's my biggest thing, right? I think it's, we have to think about all of the other pieces of legislation that, that are very big priorities, like voting rights, um, build back better. And uh, I think he'll do it. I think they're waiting for the right opportune and political time to do it.
0: I also, it's just, I mean, they've, they've been in office a year, like <laughs> yeah. the, the entire agenda is not going to be accomplished in the first year.
1: No, no, but he's done such phenomenal work in this year though. I mean, you yeah. talk about vaccine in arms, you talk about reopening the economy. I'm talking about American rescue plan. I'm talking about the infrastructure bill. I mean, these weren't just baby bills, by the way. This is, you know, trillions of dollars worth of investment into people and also our country, right? So this isn't one of those things where, you know, oh, well, what is me? No, child tax care, child tax care credit uh, lifted about 50% of, of kids out of poverty, you know, and people will always look at it from the glass half empty. Well, well. Well, what about the other 50%? No, but what about the 50%, right? And it's, it, it's saying that a lot of these people are self, uh, self-proclaimed progressives. But my thing is, how can you be a self-proclaimed progressive, but then consistently shitting on the progress that is made, right? You can't say I'm for progress, but it's the only progress if we get a $10 trillion bill versus a $7 trillion bill, like it, it, it always brings back the point to me that, yes, we understand that there are certain things that we have shown and display that we are able to do. For instance, like pausing the student loan debt payment. People have been saying that for a long time, the fact that they actually did it, you know, eviction moratoriums during the pandemic, right? You know, you have unemployment benefits that were, you know, increased dramatically, you know, and as it, it was needed, it was needed. And so a lot of people are like, well, now the government has showed their ass. They can actually do it. They just did, chose not to. The thing, about that, the thing about that is you can't shit on the progress, again, that is made because of the progress that you feel like is not enough. Because it sometimes feels like it's never enough for people. You know, because if it's not 10 truly, no, we want 15. You know, then you get 15, it's like, oh, we want 25, you know, and I, it's just, the, that's, that's the problem for me, that it's like, you know, he said 10,000, oh, well, now it's good to cancel 50, like, you know, you never get, you never get to a place where you actually feel like you're compromising, you're not always going to make everybody happy, but at the end of the day, it is what it is.
0: And I just, like, all or nothing is not progress. no. Like Literally,
1: the, that's the antithesis of progress.
0: Right. <laughs> so now, sir, um, I have 15 random questions in front of me. Um, some of them I found on the internet. Some of them were sent to me by listeners. Um, it is the random question game. Are you ready to play?
1: Yeah, let's play.
0: <laughs> All right. Question number one, uh, what was your first job ever?
1: Oh, my first job ever was being a tutor for the Paul Robeson Reads program. I went to uh, high schools and taught uh, kids how to read um, and also like help them with their math homework if they needed it. Um, But yeah, uh, and that was my, my freshman year in college.
0: All right. What is is your guilty pleasure? (laughs) Oh, I have a lot
1: of them. Uh, (laughs) My guilty, (laughs) I love um, eating an ice cream sandwich, a good ice cream sandwich. You know, those one with the chocolate and the the, the vanilla ice cream in the middle. Um, I also like to watch Wife Swap on Hulu. Such a damn good show. I love that show because it's so damn messy. (laughs) <laughs> and it's just so, like <laughs> you know I, I love those shows um i love my 600 pound life
0: okay Ho- yeah hoard,
1: hoarders like i love those type of shows catfish you know where people's lives are just put out there and i'm just like how why would you fall for that <laughs> <laughs> you know so you know but yeah th- those are my guilty pleasures
0: i always i was i was watching uh catfish the other day and i was like This was a movie, and now it's a TV show that's been on for, like, 97 seasons. How are y'all still getting catfished?
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah. And Neve actually, who is the host of that show, who, by the way, for people who don't know this, (laughs) created a movie called Catfish because he was being himself catfished. So he documents, it's his documentary, he documents the entire time of him looking for this person. So it's a great movie. But anyway.
0: It's um, wild as fuck. Wild, wild as hell. hell
1: but he actually himself has come out recently and, and made a video and he's like how the hell are people why is he he is still astounded <laughs> at how his show is still on the air because like you guys are still faking the funk but anyway yeah that, i i love that show
0: if aliens landed on earth tomorrow and offered to take you with them would you go Uh
1: yeah. Only to see what was up there. Okay. <laughs> <Only to> see- <laughs> and I would also ask them, you know, do you have that little thing that clicks? You ever seen uh, uh, Men in Black? Was it Men in Black? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They press a little button and it's like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, that's one of the things. Uh, that's very interesting. I don't know. I would say yes, just to see what's up there.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, now, now, this is probably the most controversial question on, on the list of questions. Whitney or Mariah? Whitney.
1: Oh, hands okay. down. Hands <laughs> down, Whitney. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I love both of them. But, um, you know, Mariah just can't do it as well live anymore. Now, if I say I'm going to get canceled for saying that, by the way. <laughs> Like this this might get this might take down the entire podcast. Uh and I'm sorry for it but also this is your last season. This is your last. Season. Right. That's right. So because I saw you know you put that last last and I love that song. But anyway, so yeah, no, I Whitney 100%, 100%. Um
0: if you could commit any crime and get away with it, what crime would you pick?
1: Um robbing a bank. Robbing, robbing a bank straight up because, you know, if I could get away with it, hell yeah, I need the money. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I need the money. Yeah, robbing a bank.
0: Uh, what is a film that most people hated but that you love just unabashedly?
1: Uh, all right, so two of them, two of my favorite movies of all time.
0: Number okay. one,
1: uh, the uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Not the Don, not the Johnny Depp, the original.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: I got a golden ticket, right? That one. And then also Wizard of Oz, the 1930s version. I don't know why people didn't like that one, but one of the things that I really enjoyed about those two movies was that in the era of when they made those movies, they used these huge warehouses where they would film. You know, like, there was nothing like the, the chocolate factory, the Willy Wonka Chocolate Factory. Like, I've always wanted to, like, just go there. Like, that, that little, you know, the freaking fake hallways and the elevators that didn't work and all that stuff. Like, that always was my thing. And, um, and then, who didn't want to be in Oz? Like, just running around in those fake... Right. It, it, it looks fake now, looking at it, but as a kid, I'm like, damn, these hills and all of that, yeah, yeah, those two movies.
0: It really like when you watch those back as as an adult, like especially Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. That's a dark fucking film. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And you know, if you look back at that one scene where they're on the boat,
0: yes. And,
1: and he's like, "What is his name?" Gene Wilder. Yeah, and he was he was really. Add living that entire thing where the people, the, the actors on the boat were actually really scared in real life. Crazy. Uh,
0: yeah. Um, what is a film that you could and maybe have watched over and over again and never get sick of?
1: Yeah. Uh, it's definitely Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> definitely.
1: <laughs> yeah. I love, love, love that movie and The Wizard of Oz as well what's your favorite christmas song oh chestnuts roasting on an open fire yes i love that song that's my like and by the way i will say the um christmas music puts me in such a great mood all the time like i i listen to it year round
0: so yeah If you had an extra $20 to spend on yourself and you had to spend it on yourself, but you could not buy food, Uh, what would you buy?
1: See, food was going to be my number one. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: No, but if you're saying an additional $20 that I can spend on myself and I can't buy food? Yep. uh, You know, I'd probably... Maybe get some some new shirts. Okay. Some new shirts. Um, you know, just to to diversify the wardrobe. Although you know, twenty dollars nowadays is one shirt. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not even not including shipping and handling. But uh, yeah, that that I think it was shirt. a shirt. Sure. Okay.
0: Yeah. Most people say liquor, so it's it's <laughs> nice to hear it's nice to hear
1: clothes. <laughs> That's, that's interesting because I didn't even think that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Liquor.
0: Uh, what is the best show on television right now? Oh, now, if you would
1: have caught me a couple weeks ago, I would have said Euphoria. Right? Right. Top show, best show. If you would have caught me before that, I'd probably say Squid Games. But that was, that was a, lo- a while ago. Um, now, Abbott Elementary.
0: That is the correct answer.
1: Yeah, Abbott yes. uh, <laughs> Elementary. <laughs> shout out Quinta Brunson. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Just a just an just a genius. I mean, and a lot of people, you know, who are hating. Oh well, she's ripping off of The Office. Let me tell you something. Doing that type of show, first of all, with a predominantly black cast. But then, second of all, doing it in in a completely different setting. You're doing it in in a school, right? it takes a lot of research to do a show like this. People think like, oh, she's just it's as linearly as, oh, it's the same thing of The Office. And people don't really understand the full breadth of putting on a show on network television. It is hilarious. Um, you know, the comedy is spot on. It is timely. And, you know, Abbott Elementary is just amazing. I, I would tell everybody to go watch it. Recommend, highly recommend 10 out of 10.
0: But also if like to the people that are hating on this show for being too much like the office, if you look at, you know, before she was, you know, on TV, the, the stuff that she did for Buzzfeed is this, she's been right. doing this forever.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, she was recently on, um, another show where she was talking about other artists that she said paved the way for you know, her to do this show. And she did mention Issa Rae from Insecure, which was yeah. also an amazing show. Um, she mentioned um, a, co- a whole bunch of other creators, but I just, I just love the show. I love what she stands for. And I love that she's giving other people their flowers because this is so good. Abbott Elementary is amazing. Again, I highly recommend.
0: Yes. And uh, the, the actress that plays the principal and her, her name escapes me right now, um, yeah. she, she has a stand-up special that's on mm-hmm. Netflix right now mm-hmm. that is fucking perfect. <laughs> Just from start to finish. It is hilarious. Yeah. So also check that out. Uh, how many alarms do you set to wake up in the morning?
1: One. <laughs> One. And I usually have a sleep focus. So my phone will automatically go to sleep focus at 1145 at night to wind me down 15 minutes before midnight so that I can get about nine hours and 39 hours and 45 minutes of sleep. I, w- I will wake up like at 930, 945. And um, I only need that one. And I'm usually up before the alarm goes off. That's,
0: that is the most amazing thing I've ever heard. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I have to like I have to set one 30 minutes before I have to get out of the bed because <laughs> like like a car in the wintertime, I got to warm up like yeah. Just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah Um if I invited you to a barbecue what would you bring
1: Uh I'd probably bring the baked goods Okay or something i'd buy or maybe some liquor i'd bring a good punch all right yeah i'm not the I, i'm not the biggest cook I, I you know i can do basic level things and uh but i'm not i'm not the cook i prefer not to cook it's not fun for me it's not one of those unless i'm cooking with someone i'm not having fun while cooking i feel like it's a complete waste of time and it's like you know you're doing you're you're cooking for about forty five minutes for about ten minutes of satisfaction, <laughs> like you know <laughs> so you know I, I don't know. I, cooking for me is not one of my favorite pastimes, um and I'll probably get something to store about or or make a good punch.
0: All right, what is the worst pickup line you've ever heard?
1: uh The worst pickup pickup line I've ever heard is all right let's 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 role play. I'm gonna do it on you, okay, okay. Uh Greg, what time is it? Uh
0: it's 1.37.
1: Glad I just wanted you to I just wanted to know if you were gonna give me the time of day. <laughs> <It's
0: just> like, <laughs> wow. That, that's the
1: worst one I've heard. Um, that I've also used. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one. And you know, I usually got, oh, that's so cute. But I'm like, in my mind, that's corny as hell. But you know, whatever.
0: If you could have A song play every time you entered a room what song would you pick
1: Uh, that's a good question because i live my my life is like a television show in my my head like i'm a direct consistent director and producer (laughs) um what song would it be i think it honestly though i haven't nailed one down so for me it would be a different song every time you know it'd be one of those one of those things um, but that's also a cop out answer because I don't know. Okay, I, I can't think of one off the top of my head right now. Yeah. Okay,
0: so let's say in the television show of your life, right? When the character of Brian is introduced, what is what song is playing in the background? <laughs>
1: But the immediate one that comes to my mind is, is the theme song for Reba. <laughs>
0: okay. Not, right. that it,
1: not that it at, at all is resembling <laughs> me, but I love that show. Like, who doesn't love Reba? Reba had such a freaking grasp and chokehold hold on me as a kid and also as an adult. Because I then went back and, and re-watched the entire Reba show streaming on Hulu, by the way. Uh, <laughs> And um, yeah that, that song that song is, is just amazing. <laughs>
0: okay. And last one. Uh if you had a talk show, yeah. Um who would be your first three guests?
1: Uh well you mean you mean like celebrities.
0: I just three guests, anybody.
1: Okay, well. If, if I can have anybody on there, living or dead? Living or dead, sure. Living or dead. I think my first person would be uh, Michelle Obama.
0: Excellent choice.
1: My second person would be Monique.
0: Excellent choice.
1: And then my third person would
0: be... Uh, so many to choose from Stephen Colbert. Okay.
1: Stephen Colbert. And I, and, and those people I think are, you know, M- Michelle, obviously, because she brings a certain level of, of pedigree, but also ro- just royalty. <laughs> um, and I want to pick her brain from a perspective. I remember watching an interview that she talked about her marriage with Brock. And she talked about like the secrets of having a happy marriage. I mean, you, you are the first lady of the United States at one point, you you know, and you definitely go through some challenges being the first black family in that white house. There are certain levels of, you know, stressors that come with that. And I I just want to be able to be in that. I want to interview that, like that perspective. The second thing is Monique. Monique is just an, just funny as hell to me. Like, I mean, just watching her comedy show, she came to the uh, uh, comedy corner here in Atlanta and it was a riot. Um, and she also just has lived a life and there's so many things I want to get to know about her. And then, you know, Stephen Colbert, when I was, I remember being a kid watching the Colbert Report when he had it on Comedy Central, right? Before yeah. he had the Late, late Show. Um, that he took over from David Letterman. And I remember thinking this motherfucker is a genius. <laughs> <laughs> he is just a genius, you know, he came from the Daily Show with Jon Stewart, yeah. then ended up getting his own show and he played this conservative commentator and he was hilarious doing parodying that. And then when he came on to CBS and did his own show, uh, taking over the David Letterman show, you know, he brought himself to the table. He, he was no longer playing a character. And just that trajectory, and also he's brilliant. Like, he's literally brilliant. Yeah. Like, people don't understand the Rolodex that's in his mind. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there's so much that I know that I can learn from him. So, yeah, those would be my top three.
0: Well, in a couple of years, when they give you your own talk show, uh, I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a roll this interview back and be like, Brian, remember that? Remember that? Yeah. Remember that?
1: <laughs> yeah. And uh, hopefully they, they all come on to my show. But yes, thank you so much for that. And then, um, you know, doing right now the, the talk show that we have now, the, the Mentally Divine Morning Show, has been just a dream. Has been just a dream. Um, you know, it's been the variety talk show. That I wanted to do it in my mind I mean you know in my mind I'm like I'm in person I'm in front of a live audience and then we do all right. these things and we do it nightly but um this is the start this is the start and um we have a really great product that we, we have over there on the Patreon and um I hope people go over there and check it out check us out
0: um well we, we have come to the end of the show so if you would like to tell all the folks listening At home and all over the world, where they can find you, please do.
1: Yeah, I mean, so you can find me on Twitter, um, at Mentally Divine. You can find me on Instagram, at Mentally Divine Official. Um, on both of those pages, you can click my link tree, which is in my bio. You will see my Cash App there, um, and you will see my Patreon. My Patreon is where we're again streaming the variety talk show. It's called the Mentally Divine Morning Show. And again, it's a variety talk show. You get politics, you get pop culture, you get uh, entertainment review. You get musical guests and performances. You get people who we interview. You know experts in the field, uh, and uh, you get it all. And it's a one-hour show that drops every Saturday at ten in the morning. But if you are a patron, you get access to all of those shows forever. Uh, um, and so <laughs> we we thank you so much for listening. We thank you, and we're consistently flabbergasted and humbled uh, by your patronage, but also just your feedback. Um, and, and the fact that you are actually enjoying the content that we are putting out, because before this content ever existed and before we created it, it didn't exist. Right. And so the fact that you guys are sticking around, listening, wanting to listen more to our commentary, just really, really, really love um, everyone for supporting and making the dream come true.
0: And I will put Brian's socials and uh, his link tree in the episode description, Um, but definitely go check him out on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I didn't mention this in his introduction, but this man has the most glorious beard I have ever seen in my (laughs) entire life.
1: You know, I get that all the time. And the, (laughs) the, the, the funny part is that people ask me all the time, well, what do you do? Do you put all these oils in it? And I'm like, no, I just, I really wash it with head and shoulders two to three times you know, two to three, every two to three days. And um, it just does its own thing. So I just pick it out. I have my beard pick here with me, my handy, handy dandy uh, <laughs> beard pick. <laughs> and uh, it's just, it just does its own thing.
0: Um, Hey, Brian, thank you so much for um, being on the show, uh, being the second episode of the last season. Um, I, I'm very excited for people to hear this when it comes out, because you are, you are somebody I feel like everybody should fucking know. (laughs) So thank you so much for, for being on.
1: Thank you so much, Greg. It was, it was a pleasure and it was, it was hilarious and it was fun. It was (laughs) great. Thank you so much.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, please like, and subscribe. If you didn't enjoy this episode, why the fuck are you even here?
1: Don't Make This Weird is a dollop of Trollop production in association with Spring Break 83 Productions and the Joyful Warrior Podcast Network.